Welcome to Legends from the Fireside. Standing upon the shoulders of giants in this genre, Legends from the Fireside is a hybrid storytelling RPG podcast set within worlds of sword and sorcery. In our tales, the dice tell the fates of those worlds, for good or for ill. No character is sacred. Survival is not guaranteed. As storyteller and game master, I craft the narrative from these dice rules and create quests from this chaos, all without knowing what could happen next. Listener discretion is advised, as we may explore dark corners of this genre. But, come now, for adventure awaits, listen in to the legends from the fireside. In the last episode of Legends from the Fireside... Our heroes get closer to their goal of finding the ruins which the ravenous Maw wish to cleanse. The party may not know much of what they are going to do when they arrive there, though they assume they'll be able to vanquish some evil along the way. The party discover that Talagor has been killed by a humble halfling named Theodore Digborough. At the crossroads trading post, the party encounter this halfling, and following a little discussion, Thedor agrees to join them in their pursuit of protecting the people of Delagrad by uprooting the ravenous Maw. The party travel while trying to maintain a low profile, and after the better half of a week, they pass through Castle Gantil, Dragden, and finally enter the Bevron Wood. Upon entering the wood, they find themselves stumbling upon a small encampment of orcs. Additionally, the party bought new gear and we encounter Grimneth, the monstrous leader of the Black Mask, and discover the odd powers he and the organization's namesake seem to have. Since the party will be spending a good deal of time within this region of Delagrad, I think it's high time we get a better understanding of these lands. To make this a little more organized, I'll go over a few categories in order to flesh out the Beveren Wood. The categories are as follows. Geography, Settlements, History, Denizens, and Interesting Information. Geography. The Beveren Wood is in the northernmost part of Delagrad. To the west of this area is the coastline, with a few large islands not too far from the mainland. The forest, which the region is named for, covers nearly one-third of the entire region of Delagrad. At the heart of this forest are the Shroud Mantle Mountains. The mountains themselves just about perfectly bisect the forest, although much of the population reside in the southern half, closer to Thedal, as well as the rest of the land our heroes have traveled. A few rivers trickle from the Shroud Mantle Mountains, with the largest being the river Teal Thistle, which runs all the way to the western coast. Settlements 
the settlements of Stormfare all answer to the Lord Audro Kailroth of Delagrad. The largest town within the Bevern Wood is Stormfare, a frontier settlement larger than Oak Hollow. Stormfare is nestled just south of the Shroud Mantle Mountains, right in the middle of the southern half of the Bevern Wood. Stormfare has plenty of things going on, but it acts as the central hub for the settlements of northern Delagrad. The majority of villages of the Beveren Wood lie upon the Teal Thistle River, making travel and trade between them much easier. A few far-flung villages are just outside the forest, including Dragden, and a few others that lie in the northern half of the forest, including Solon Hill, which is the village the party are hoping to reach for their quest. There are also a pair of castles within the Beveren Wood, one in the northern end of the forest, just a day's ride from Solon Hill, known as Castle Roseholme. The other castle is one that travelers of the Teal Thistle River avoid at all costs, known as Castle Abero. History The Beveren Wood is similar to many of the larger forests of Ontora, in that it has a history dating back to the Entendalel Elves of millennia past. The pilgrims and the warring clans had tried their best to make footholds within this region, though old and dark evils of the forest uprooted any who would hope to conquer the land. Being a relatively untamed land, few of the settlements as they stand today are over a century or so old. Many frontiersmen have treated the Shroud Mantle Mountains as the primary landmark of the region, though many more kept their distance from certain crags and crevices of this mountain. Fear of the clan of orcs and goblins that would dwell within the mountains gave them pause, but the more sinister evils of the mountains kept the frontiersmen away. Denizens As with the rest of Ontora, the primary population of the Beveren Wood is human. Although there are some pockets of other critters, such as the hidden away gnome clan operating within a forest of mushrooms, they are mysterious and hardly ever encountered. Unfortunately, many other denizens of the land include the aforementioned orcs and goblinoids, and they are encountered more often. Though they have little structure to their clans, they tend to remain separated and fend for themselves through pillaging and raiding. Some orcs, such as the ones we shall meet soon enough, have a rather unorthodox leadership. The people of the Bevern Wood are frontiersmen, craftsmen, hunters, lumberjacks, and the like, all earn their comforts with hard work and perseverance. It isn't easy to live outside the influence of Thedal, and as such, few manage to make it work, let alone thrive out here. Lastly, interesting information. Since the people of Delagrad have not colonized much of the forest, many of the hidden away dungeons and lairs have not been plunged by adventurers, making this a lucrative place for those brave enough to make it out alive. Of the evil that dwells within this region, beyond the orcs and the goblinoids, a wretched hag haunts the forest under the name Fegritha of the Pale Moon. Many know of her ways, though few have any idea of how to rid themselves of her and her influence upon the region. Additionally, a necromancer named Aramark the Grey has taken residence within the mountains, though he is an interesting anomaly in his own right. 
The frontiersmen know of him, yet it would seem they do not know of his true intent. Lastly, there are three dungeon locations in the forest beyond the layers of the monsters and evil I mentioned earlier. Of these locations, one is the haunted halls of Shaladir, which is the target of the party's quest. Much of the generation of this region came from making sense of the biome layout that I had created, beginning with water bodies and mountains, then adding in hills, forests, plains, and wetlands. Settlements would then grow where waterways and roads were permitting, and a town would be surrounded by villages. The town likely operates as a trade hub based on the resources gathered within the villages surrounding. However, this show wouldn't be a true solo RPG experience if it wasn't for rolling dice somewhere in the process. So, I will be utilizing the Sandbox Generator by Atelier Clandestine when creating the settlements and other smaller details as we get farther into this process. This seems like plenty enough to go off of for now, so let's see how our party handles their run-in with those orcs. Chapter 16, Part 1, Day 45. Party status. Morris, 14 out of 14 hit points. Terriad, 11 out of 11 hit points. Belgen, 8 out of 8 hit points. Kellum, 8 out of 8 hit points. Thedor, 10 out of 10 hit points. Spells prepared. Terriad has prepared... Light. Light, 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 and cure, cure light, 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 light. Belgen has prepared chromatic, chromatic ore, 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 ore and phantasmal, phantasmal force. force. As the five intrepid heroes had found themselves just outside an encampment of orcs, they turned to face each other. With a hushed voice, Thador said to the group, I'm not certain how many there are, but there are awfully bold to be camping right on the roadside. Definitely unlike any orcs I know of. Kellum squinted as he tried to spy on the orcs through the trees. Realizing he had no chance to do so, he stood upright and without looking at Thador, he replied, Only one way to find out. Someone will need to take a closer look. As his eyes slowly fell upon the halfling, he added, if the reputation of your light-footed kind is any measure of your own ability, I think it ought to be you. With a reluctant nod, Thador set his eyes upon the path ahead and drifted noiselessly into the bushes and trees. Only after a few moments of spying from within a bush, Thador was able to count five brutish, pig-faced orcs within the small encampment. Thador was not a terribly well-traveled man, though he knew a few truths of the world. Of these truths, one was utterly certain. Orcs were shrewd, brutal, and foolish creatures. It was the shattering of this truth that set Theodore's jaw agape, for here before him was an orc thumbing through a book, seemingly reading the words within. The other orcs within the camp were cleaning their clothing and even playing games. Theodore hadn't even noticed the vestments they'd been wearing until a few moments later, 
eyes falling upon black tabards with a silver eye lying within the center of the clothing. Although he did not know the meaning of this symbol, he was sure these were not typical orcs. As he gathered himself, he walked back to the party and informed them of his discovery. These are certainly orcs. Five in all, but they're most certainly not normal. I could swear I saw one of them reading a book. Puzzled expressions crossed the faces of each one of the men. Belgen broke the silence when he asked, If they are different, smarter perhaps, maybe we can reason with them? Surely they may know of this land. While Morris and Kellum clearly did not want to take their chances with clever orcs, Teriad's typical speech of travelers being protected by the god Hemwall was ringing through their heads. Kellum then turned to the road, telling the party, I'll go now and ask them if we may speak with them. If they appear hostile, we shall flee. The party nodded nervously and cautiously prepared themselves for whatever may happen next. As Kellum followed the path towards their encampment, he called out as he entered their campfire light. We mean you no harm. We seek only to share your camp and to learn of this land. I'm going to roll now for a reaction check just to see how this bold move is received. With no bonuses, I got a six. Oh boy. The orcs began gathering their weapons and standing to defend their camp from this intruder. The orc who had been reading earlier spoke for the group, then in the common tongue. We have no camp to share with you, traveler. Be gone. Callum stands there, surprised to hear the common tongue spoken by an orc, though he wasn't one to push his good luck. So he turned away now to leave, saying, Understood. I shall leave you and be on my way. I'll roll one more reaction to see how they respond to this. I got an eight. The orcs, now confused and understanding the truth of Kellum's peaceful request, immediately call back to him. So long as you truly mean no harm, you may stay here. Kellum replies sternly, not wanting to foolishly accept this invitation. So long as we can trust you as well. I warn you that there are four more in my company, each armed and a proven warrior. Now this might tip the orcs over the edge. I'll roll another reaction. I got a 10. Wow. Evidently the orcs respect this bold move. The orcs take no offense to this remark, and the leader of the orcs instead says, I would not think of breaking the trust of a warrior within this wood. I think we would all benefit from having safety in greater numbers. Without question, Kellum proceeds into the camp, and the party follow slowly after him, with Thedor and Belgen raising a few eyebrows once they enter the campfire light. The orc leader nods at Thedor and Belgen and asks with a snort, These are your proven warriors? Looks to me like they've only proven they can take on a few cakes and a roast. Morris takes the defensive after this remark and points a finger at the pig-faced orc leader as he says, 
This gnome took on an entire camp of bandits by himself, armed only with a club and a sling. You'll show him some respect. The orcs are not offended by this remark, and instead are far more curious about the two short, stout men than they were before. After tense moments of the group setting up their tent and preparing their own meals, Teriad breaks the silence. You speak the common tongue rather well. Tell me, were you tutored, or are you from Gallarat? The orcs looked at Teriad in a very wounded way, though their leader replies by spitting to the ground beside him and saying, Curse that wicked land, and to the nine hells with that demon no goth. Teriad replies, I meant no offense. You understand how infrequently we come across orcs, let alone those who speak as clearly as yourselves in the common tongue. The leader says, I take no offense. We have done well to stay far from other orcs while remaining close to Stormfair and our leader. Callum chimes in and asks, Who is that that leads you? The orc replies proudly, We are the orcs of Eremark the Grey. He is a powerful sorcerer who has done well to earn our respect. Morris then chokes on his meal as he says between coughs, A sorcerer? <coughs> In these lands? The orc replies, He has done well to conceal himself, and his magics are used only to benefit our kind and to continue his own quest for knowledge. Eremark means the people of Stormfair no harm, and as such, neither do we, his humble servants. Belgen, being the only one to know about magic, asks, What exactly is his area of expertise, if you don't mind me asking? The orc states proudly, Eremark seeks greater understanding of the boundaries between life and death, mastering the arts of decay and preservation. Belgen gulps hard and asks reluctantly, Do you mean that he studies necromancy? The orc stares back at Belgen and merely nods. The orc leader chortles a bit at their uneasiness and says to the party, if you are headed north to Stormfair, I recommend you avoid the territory of the Witch of those woods. Her name is Fagritha of the Pale Moon. She is a foul being, one who you would do well to avoid. Trust me when I tell you that Aramark is angel compared to the evil nature of that fiend. Callum noticeably shifts in his seat at this comment and finishes eating before getting up and heading to his tent. The rest of the party silently finish their own meals, and Terriad again thanks them for their hospitality. Now this is a matter of supreme importance. Welcome to Stories from the First Watch. This is both a solo game and an experiment in storytelling. The story, and the character's actions, will unfold upon the roll of the dice. 
They are in control. Be careful what you say, or you have no time at all. Follow the exploits of a party of adventurers forced to take on a dangerous mission on behalf of a shadowy organisation. Just be careful when insulting minor lordlings. Their egos can be dangerous things. Available on Podbean, Spotify and Podchaser. And come and listen to more stories from the first watch. Dramatis Personae Ero Salisbon With a swift exhale, the wind is knocked out of the Lord's agent. Welgar was far more talented when fighting with a spear than an improvised weapon like this table leg, but he took some sort of sick satisfaction in the brutality of it all. Welgar's cruel smile faded as his eyes met Salisbom's. The old man gave a nod of approval, and Welgar swiftly struck the man again. While this man would likely have fallen to his knees from these blows, he instead bounced rhythmically upon a strange, net-like, ectoplasmic mesh. His arms and legs were bound by this arcane trap, and he groaned in his ineffective attempts to escape. Salisbaum then descended upon the man as he wriggled about effortfully. You listen to me, and you will listen well, young man. I will not be lied to. Tell me who sent you here, and I'll tell my associate to stop. The agent quivered from the bone-breaking agony. With eyes closed, he stammered, I am a courier of the Lord. I was sent to deliver a message to one of the nobles. Salisbaum let the statement roll around in his mind for a moment before leaning in closer to the shivering man. Is that so? Strange that a courier of the Lord himself would find themselves lost here in the only abandoned building on this block. One might expect the Lord's courier to deliver this message a bit more directly. The agent coughed hard for a moment and then replied. I promise you, I do not know who you are or what you're doing here. Nor will I tell a soul where I found you. Salisbaum then corrected his posture and stood up, walking to the dust-covered, cracked window where Felia was standing. He looked down upon the regal home where a gathering of nobles was being held. As he saw a few people filtering out and climbing into carriages, he turned back to face the agent. What is your real reason for coming here? I believe that you do not know me or my accomplices, but I also believe you did not come here to deliver any sort of message. Tell me, Do you and your lord know something about this dinner party that I do not? Said Salisbaum as he nodded towards the window. The man opened his eyes and looked over at the wizard, staring him in his eyes before answering, If I tell you, will you let me go? Please, promise me that you'll let me go and I'll tell you exactly why I'm here. Salisbaum smiled at this defeated man and nodded gently. The Lord suspects the nobles are acting.
actively working against him. Some strange group operating within the city, and we fear these nobles may be involved with this group. I was sent to watch over this party, see who attended them, and get some idea of what happened tonight. That's all. I swear you can let me go, and I'll leave. Salisbaum looked at the man with a cold expressionless glare. With a dismissive gesture, the woven web holding the man up disappeared, and he fell to the floor. Welgar and Felia looked confused for a moment, presuming some sort of twisted violence to follow this honest gesture. Salisbaum offered the agent a hand and helped hoist him up to his feet. The man, uneasy at first with this offer of help, reluctantly took his hand and stood up. Salisbaum helped to fix his clothing before saying plainly, It would be a pity to see your family in a position like your own. It would be a shame if others working for the Lord heard of our residence. Perhaps we can agree that you got attacked by street urchins and you never encountered us. Does that sound fair to you? As the courier nodded eagerly at Salisbaum, the old man smiled and said, Good. I figured I could trust you. I'm sure your dear sweet mother would appreciate her son returning home in one piece, and her own assured safety. I'm glad we have an understanding, but at this time, I think you ought to leave. With a few moments of pause, he looked at the three gathered in this abandoned attic, and taking his gesture to be genuine, the Lord's agent ran for the stairs and left the building, sprinting away down the lane. Felia let out a disapproving sigh before saying, I'm surprised you didn't let Welgar crush his head. Welgar agreed that this was not the most satisfying way to let the unlucky intruder go. Salisbaum walked to the window again and watched the man run away into the darkness of the city of Thadel. I don't think that was necessary. I don't think he would be the Lord's courier if he was a fool. I trust he will know to keep his mouth shut. I also feel it is only fair to let him live. After all, he did tell us some vital information. As his two associates looked back and forth at one another, Salisbaum cleared the confusion. Evidently, this ravenous maw we have heard so much about is well enough established that even the Lord fears them. I am certainly eager to see how this will work out to our benefit. Chapter 16, Part 2, Day 46. The party status has not changed. With dew still glistening upon the leaves of the trees in the warm morning light, the party traveled into Stormfair, passing the small cabins and homesteads along the way to the frontier town. The party realized that their best bet of getting information of the land, since none of them know much of this northern realm of Delagrad, would be to head towards the nearest inn or tavern. 
as they wandered down the cobbled street towards the center, presumably where the tavern may be. They passed many squat and cozy-looking homes, homes made of lumber and stone. The party passed many woodsmen and hunters as they entered the town proper, watching the town of Stormfair seemingly coming to life in the early morning light. The people of the settlement seemed rather pained with dour expressions on their faces. Some of the townsfolk even turned away when the party walked their way, as if shielding themselves from the stranger's presence. Although none of the party members took this personally, having experienced similar expressions in Dragden, they certainly were curious as to what may be lowering the spirits of the people of Stormfair. As the group approached the large tavern, a sign above the door depicted a large white and gray moth carrying a tankard. As they stabled their horses and hounds within the stables next to the tavern, they heard the sound of a woman crying and struggling to get her speech out clearly. Have you seen my daughter, Kalira? I haven't seen her in a week. She is only six years old. If you see her, please, for the love of Azerite's light, tell me. She must be so scared out there alone. As they saw a man walk past the entry of the stables, they knew he must have been the one she had been talking to. Soon after, the sniveling and shuddering woman walked by, not noticing the men in the stables at all. The party looked at one another, puzzled and concerned, but they agreed to let her go, knowing that their quest was their primary concern. As they entered the tavern, they saw a rustic and well-furnished dining hall. The warm hearth seemed to be slow cooking a large cut of meat, with drippings falling into a metal pan below, the smell of spices and honey clinging to the smoky air. The party instinctively approached the bar, where a man greeted them with a warm smile and a nod. He wrung his thick-fingered hands together before planting them upon the countertop, and sang with a thick and foreign accent. What can I do for you, gentlemen? Kellum told the man. Well, we'd like some meals, a round of drinks, and some information about the Beverin Wood, if that's all right. The innkeeper wasted no time in getting them their drinks, and as he turned his back to do so, he said over his shoulder, There's much to say about the Beverin Wood, friend. What are you looking for? Directions? I suppose so. My companions and I are on our way to Solon Hill. We have some business to attend to, said Kellum in an effort to sound nonchalant. The innkeeper shook his head while he continued to pour their drinks. Nah, nah, that may not be a safe travel, friend. Solon Hill isn't too far away on the old hunting trail. But the wilderness has been lousy with orcs. And, well, I dare not say what else. Morris then leaned in. What else is out there? We already ran into some orcs, and although they were certainly strange, they seemed harmless. Belgin chimed in now. They just said they served one named Aramark the Grey, a mage of sorts. The innkeeper stopped pouring and turned around to present their drinks, though his face had taken on an expression similar to that of the townsfolk. With a glum look in his eye, he said, Aye, they do work with the man. And while some say he hasn't done much to harm us here in Stormfair, 
I don't doubt his involvement with the other evil of the mountains and the wood. Terriad now joined in. Pray tell what this evil is. I assure you, any enemy of Stormfair is an enemy of ours. The innkeeper looked back and forth across the tavern, seeing that none were listening in intently. I speak of an evil as old as the ills of Antora, an evil so gnarled and loathsome, like some kind of fiend wrought of the natural world, though far more sinister than your worst nightmare. She, this beast, this hag, she's done nothing but terrorize the fine people of the Beverin Wood for as long as I can remember, as any can remember. You'd do well to heed my warning from entering her domain. It might be wise to abandon your quest altogether if you plan on crossing her path. Thank you for listening to an episode of Legends from the Fireside. If you enjoyed what you heard, feel free to leave a five-star rating and a review. Some of these reviews may be read at the end of episodes. You can also reach me at Legends from the Fireside on Twitter, or you can email me at legendsfromthefireside at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening to the show, and be sure to come back soon to listen to more Legends from the Fireside.